0: We are 100 days away from kickoff, and we tell you all about it on the bluegoldsports.com podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker, back with you today. We are officially 100 days away from kickoff. That means in 100 days from today, September 1st, 2022. West Virginia and Pitt will be kicking off at Heinz Field. Aaron, just another day in May today, but how are you feeling overall now that we are inching closer towards football season?
1: Oh, I feel great. So close. yet so far away. It seems like I just I can't believe we're we're down to 100 days. Um, You know, I went to the last Pitt matchup in 2011 and just feels like the WV Pitt rivalry hasn't really been a part of our lives. Um, as far as watching the game. So I'm so ready for it, and I think all Mountaineer Nation is too.
0: Yeah, being born in 2002, the last time West Virginia and Pitt played, I was nine years old. I believe you were about the same. And this is the first time as a West Virginia follower, as someone who covers this team, as someone who kind of experiences this team – feels Pitt in a emotional sense, feels pit in a it's here sense. Obviously, I've heard the stories, I've heard the tragic tales, the happy tales. We won't say those numbers. Don't worry, folks. Not right now, at least. Um, but yeah, big time for the Mountaineers, big time for Pitt too. Pitt coming off an ACC championship, Mountaineers coming off a middle of the road season, and both have a lot to prove. Pitt's going to try and prove that they are still capable of being one of the better teams in the ACC. Mountaineers are going to try and prove that Neil Brown's the guy and that they can hopefully win this game and propel that into a season of winning. So just starting off, Aaron, there's a ton of storylines to this game. Uh, where do you want to get started? Just uh, what, which storyline do you want to get started with?
1: Well, I think just the obvious one before we kind of dip into the players and, and team aspects is just this, this is an all-time college football rivalry that hasn't been played. In, um, in a decade. And I think it's just good for college football to get this back. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind it starting at Heinz Field as opposed to Morgantown, but it's good that um, A, they got the, the rivalry back going, but they also extended it to where, you know, there's going to be m- multiple years of um, WV Pitt for years to come.
0: Yeah, just looking at some numbers real quick for those who don't know, Pitt leads the all time series 61 to 40 with three ties in there. Last ten games, however, WVU has pretty much owned Pitt with a seven and three record. Um, this will also be the first time that these two teams have played this early in the season since uh, August thirty first of nineteen ninety six, where West Virginia did win on the road at Pitt thirty four to zero. And I believe West Virginia is three and two all time against Pitt at Heinz Field. So. Some good karma, some good numbers going in, obviously the all-time series. But recently it's kind of been West Virginia being the big brother to the Panthers. Obviously a lot of recruiting battles, especially recently if you've been keeping up on Twitter. uh, Just just looking at different things, there's so many different things to go into this game. And one of those that I'll start with is the quarterback play. Um, It's not often that USC, the University of Southern California, kind of works their way into Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, Rivalry, But here we are 100 days away and you have two quarterbacks and an offensive coordinator that used to be all grouped together at USC. Obviously, the big former five-star quarterback JT Daniels is going to be under center for the Mountaineers this fall. And then for Pitt, you have uh, another transfer, Nikon Slovis. And the best part about both these quarterbacks is that they were coached by Graham Harrell, West Virginia's current offensive coordinator at USC.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a big storyline for sure. Those, those two guys are, are very talented, and, and Graham Harrell has proven to be a good offensive coach, um, and he can coach his quarterbacks, um, and he's got a system that he likes to abide by. Um, I think it just it's what could have been at USC. Um, it seemed like Clay Helton wasn't the guy as far as head coaches go. So there were some injuries, some other you know, factors, and those guys, those guys went elsewhere. And I think it's a what could have been story for that team out west. Uh, but now you got, you, know, you got JT Daniels on his third school, and you got Slovis trying to um, keep Pitt going after winning an ACC championship, but losing Kenny Pickett. Yeah,
0: and I think if you want to talk about Pitt losses, like obviously lose Kenny Pickett, but they've also lost Jordan Addison, who was by many standards, the best, one of the best wide receivers in the country last year, won the Blitnikoff Award for being the best wide receiver in the country. Obviously... A lot of times receivers are only as good as their quarterback play is. Um, but still, you had a first-round quarterback and the Militnikoff Award winner on our offense last year. Those two pieces are out the door. There's going to be a lot of question marks. Like However many question marks are surrounding J. Z Daniels, there are just as, much, as many question marks surrounding Pitt's offense, and I think that bodes well for West Virginia as you get into these summer months and approach kickoff.
1: I agree, and I'm not sure how many other – Players Pitt has lost to the portal, but, you know, as you know, as Mountaineer fans know, it's the, the transfer portal is crazy. And, you know, you got to look at rosters year to year and not by a two or three or four year standpoint. Um, so lost some guys. They lost their, their main weapon. Um, and I think I think that that will give them a chip on their shoulder. But there is questions as far as Daniel, as far as JT Daniels goes where, you know, he didn't he didn't really win the job there at Georgia. Stetson Bennett beat him out. But he's a talented guy. He's gone through some grueling injuries. I think he's going to be chomping at the bid to not only play, but to prove himself in week one in front of, you know, everybody.
0: Yeah, obviously for as far as JT goes, I think you want a winner as a quarterback, and JT Daniels was 7-0 as the quarterback at Georgia. And although I think it's obvious, I think everyone in the world can should recognize this. If you're not, I think – a little bit crazy, but Georgia's talent level is a bit better than West Virginia's talent level, and those weren't the heart of the SEC games that he played. He kind of played early on. He did beat a Clemson team, though, um, did beat some of those guys. Like, he's played some games, and he's won some games, but just watching his tape, it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to not having NFL wide receivers. At USC, he had NFL guys. At Georgia, he was surrounded as a whole team by NFL guys, so obviously, West Virginia doesn't have – all the talent in the world, but they're trying to build that. And I think if he can work this summer and he can elevate the play of others, this offense should be good to go come nine one.
1: I agree. Um, you know, he's being coached by Graham Harrell. I think there's going to be an immediate click there um, just because they're familiar with each other. And Harrell was a former great quarterback himself and he can still throw the ball as far as, you know, just getting around and practice and, and, and showing mechanics and stuff like that. So I think there'll be a click there. And as far as the wide receivers go, um, you know, they're not the talent of USC or Georgia or something like that. But there's some experience there with Bryce Ford Wheaton. Bryce Ford Wheaton's also about 6'3". He can go up and get the ball. Sam James has been with WV since 2018. So I think there's some experience there. And as long as, like, Sam James limits his drops um, because he's had some problems with that over the years, I think that experience will go well um, when JT comes in and, um, you know, starts to get acquainted acquainted with those guys. But I mean, Caden Prather. I mean, he's super talented. I just, you know, a lot of people are acting like the wide receivers are, you know, the lowest spot on the team, and maybe they are. But um, I don't, I don't think they'll be bad.
0: I think if someone says the wide receivers are the lowest spot on the team, that's a good problem to have right now because, as we saw last year, Caden Prather, a lot of upside, another year of development. He's there. Bryce Ford Wheaton, been there, done that. Sam James, been there, done that. Got a couple of JUCO guys that are coming in that from all accounts are very talented, can go catch the ball, can score. Like, so you've got guys that have experience now. And I think another year experience for Prather is big. I think he definitely has a set to be wide receiver one on this team. And who knows if Bryce Ford Whedon is going up and making one-handed grabs in the back of the end zone, like he is against, against uh, Iowa state, like some attention's going to be turned his way and that's going to give opportunities. And I just think with better quarterback play, with extremely better quarterback play than last year and what should be between the difference between Jared Dagey and JT Daniels that the receiver should take a step up and when you have a experienced offensive line and when you have a running back room that is probably your deepest room on your team possibly I do think that sets the receivers up to they don't have to make every play because there's going to be a lot of times they're going to hand the ball off or they're going to hit one of those running backs up for a screen. So as long as they can do what they are supposed to do and not try and do too much, I think that is best case scenario if you're Graham Harrell, if you're Neil Brown looking at this offense.
1: I agree. Don't try to do too much. But I think if, if Bryce Ford Wheaton can step up and in the first maybe two to three games or maybe against Pitt, you know, command attention, go catch a few touchdowns, make a couple of nice plays, get hundred yards in a game or something like that. I think defenses will turn their attention to him. And I wonder what the screen game will look like. I mean, you're going to have an experienced quarter, quarterback with Daniels, um, but I think Neil Brown said that he underutilized Reece Smith last year. Reece Smith is a pretty uh, consistent uh, ball catcher. Um, so I'd like to see a little bit more targets for him. A guy like Preston Fox, I know he was a walk on, but you know, he kind of proved himself to be able to catch the ball you know, Grayson Malashevich, those kind of guys, I wonder if they'll get any looks. And then I wonder what kind of um, play you'll get from the running backs as far as catching the ball out of the backfield. Because while they didn't do it a ton, Letty Brown could catch the ball out of the backfield. So I wonder who that guy's going to be this year.
0: Can you talk about going back to those three receivers real quick, Reese Smith, Grayson Malashevich, and Preston Fox. Like those guys are all still really young. If If yeah. you're talking about in terms of development and with all these, like I want to put some, something into perspective here is that, there's some guys playing college football right now that would normally not be playing college football because they have an extra year due to COVID eligibility. So there's a lot of guys that are basically 23, 24 years old, possibly that are going up against these Preston Foxes, these Reese Smiths, these Grayson Malasheviches who are fresh out of high school in the last couple of years. So like there's obviously the let's produce now let's produce now let's produce now but there's also the okay if you look at it from a kind of a bigger picture standpoint that these are guys that are continuing to develop and we are seeing them develop not just hearing about them developing like we could hear Neil Brown talk about Preston Fox all we want but we wouldn't believe him until we saw him do what he did in the spring game so I think there's a a good thing that we're seeing these guys develop but there also has to be in the back of our minds like these guys are still so young and they still have so much more time to continue to get where they need to be.
1: Yeah um, and as far as those three, three guys go I think Malashevis and uh, Fox have proved themselves to be able to to get on the field but with a new quarterback coming in I I just I have a feeling that Reece Smith is going to be that guy that every now and then if it's third and three third and four get you know get that little that little slant pass that little screen pass to to number 15 and get, get five or six yards for a first time. Um, I think Reece Smith will be that guy. Um, I kind of hope he will. Um, we didn't see much of him last year, um, but he's been there since what, 2019. So he's not as young as Fox. Um, so I think maybe he'll get a little bit more share of um, targets. So I'll be interested to see what he does and maybe catching the ball from the tight end position too. I mean, O'Loughlin's injured right now, but getting plenty from Colorado state, he hasn't caught many balls in his career, but you know, he's been working at it and I'll just, I wonder if they'll even target them in the first couple of games.
0: All right, pivoting back towards Pitt, uh, just want to talk about kind of the betting lines here, real quick, if you don't mind, Aaron. I'm just looking at it now. Things right now are favoring the Panthers. Pitt is pretty much a minus seven, minus six and a half. Most places you look, and I'm not really sure if I agree with that. I think if Pitt was minus three, minus two and a half in that area. That would make more sense. I just – this is not going to be a true home game for Pitt. It's not going to be a true road game for West Virginia. I think that there's so many factors. I think giving Pitt seven points as early isn't – I don't think it will hold. I bet it comes down, especially in the last couple weeks towards kickoff. It comes down as the hype builds around JT Daniels, as the hype builds around this West Virginia team. And Pitt's – West Virginia's bottom of their offseason has already happened, I would say. I think it happened when you lost guys during spring football, when you lost Akeem Mesador, when you lost Josh Chandler-Somito. Pitt just the last, in the last couple of weeks just had their bottom with their best player leaving. Like, he just said, I'm out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. And you can only assume that it probably has to do with NIL, but I just think that – It's good that West Virginia is trending in the up direction right now. And I think Pitt, if I had to give them a direction, it would be in the down direction right now.
1: I agree. And the betting odds, I I do think they'll come down as far as that seven point spread goes. Um, We're still a hundred days away from kickoff. It'll come down more towards kick uh, the actual kickoff. But I think once JT Daniels gets on campus and, you know, people kind of see his his reps as far as practices go um, see him in the, in the golden blue, I, I think the, the betting Lines will go down a little bit, especially towards kickoff. I think there'll be more hype. Um, I think Pitt will lose a couple more players. I'm not not sure about that, but I just predict that'll happen. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a true road game for the Mountaineers, so I think it'll come down, you know, not to seven points.
0: I just want to talk about – I have a question. I'll, I'll say it this way. If you're West Virginia, what do you think is – Worst case scenario, and best case scenario. Obviously, a win, but kind of expand upon that. Besides a win and a loss, best case scenario, worst case scenario for the Mountaineers September first. Hmm.
1: Well, besides just simply like losing, going there and losing, I'd say JT Daniels getting injured. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's torn his ACL. Um, he's had he's had shoulder problems throwing the ball. He's he's healthy now. Uh, he's with a winning program where he didn't. Really, get the starting job, you know, had to watch the national championship from the sidelines. He's ready to play. So if he goes out there in week one and gets hurt, I think that's detrimental. You're looking at throwing out either we don't even know. Um, Will Crowder or you know some people would want Nico Markiel, but I don't think he's ready right now. Garrett Green, I don't know if he's proven to be that guy, so you're you're throwing out a guy in a crazy electric environment where he probably doesn't have much experience. So I think that's the worst case scenario. Um, I'm not saying JT Daniels won't get hurt throughout the season, but if it's game one, that's, that's bad. That's, that's worst case scenario.
0: Yeah. I I think anyone getting hurt that significant in their offense is bad, but I think JT Daniels just because of what he brings to the table is that, is that it's, it's that much more of a factor. Uh, Another question we'll kind of keep track of this as we get closer to kickoff and just our guesses, but 68,400 is the capacity of Heinz Field, Aaron. On September 1st, 2022, how many of those 68,400 do you think are Mountaineer fans?
1: Um, I'm going to go 55% WVU fans.
0: You're, you're thinking that there's going to be more Mountaineer fans at Heinz yep. Field than Pitt?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go as close to 50-50 as possible, which I've never really – Seen in person is a road game being split 50 50, but yeah, I'm going to go with it. It's 75 miles away. How many WVU alumni are working in Pittsburgh in that in the greater Pittsburgh area? So, yeah, I think it's going to be an easy trip. Um, it's about who gets the tickets. Obviously, the season tickets will go to pit fans, pit faithful, and, and pit students, but I think Mountaineers will, will go to the secondary market and take up a lot of those tickets.
0: Yeah, I, I, I it's going to be exciting to see this kind of atmosphere just because. We haven't, like, we've been robbed of this rivalry, as we said, in the open for 10 years. And I just think that the way it's kind of happening and the way this buildup just keeps going and going and going. And from social media, I think I think that's a big thing, too, is that you're seeing all this buildup on social media, and that wasn't there in 2011. You didn't have Twitter fans going at it on Twitter. You didn't have guys posting hype videos. You didn't have all these teams tweeting back and forth at each other. Now you do, and I think that adds another layer to this. And another layer to this is that some fans, I think, will say, oh, the players don't care. Players don't know anything about this rivalry. And I just think that's not true. I know last year when West Virginia played Maryland and Virginia Tech, Neil Brown really took his time to educate his guys and educate his team on what this rivalry means. And I know... I've just seen on Twitter from Bryce Ford Wheaton recently. And he said, he said, Oh, trust me, we'll be ready. We'll know. And I, I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that the players are informed, but I, I don't want West Virginia to go out and feel like they have to change the last 10 years or the last three years of Neil Brown all in one game.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I just I I disagree with people that say that it doesn't mean anything to the players. Um, I could see where somebody would bring that up, where where players are staying out of college for one year and then and then dipping. Um, but a guy like Bryce Ford Wheaton, a guy like Sam James, they've been in this program for three or four years. I think Neil Brown and his staff does a good job of of showing old games, showing old footage, um, showing old highlights, and, and what this rivalry really means, especially for you know, 18, 19 year olds coming into the program that are maybe out of state, maybe not even close to the eastern part of the United States that don't really have a good sense of the rivalry. So I think. Um, I'd like to thank Neil Brown and his staff have done a good job kind of showing what the pit rivalry means. Um, So I, I think it does mean something to the players. Um, And I think equally, it'd mean just as much to pit players as well.
0: Yeah. I think one thing that we kind of are seeing pass is that there's two sides to this rivalry. Obviously we cover West Virginia sports. We both go to WVU. So we see the West Virginia side of this rivalry first, but if you're Pitt, I think you say to yourselves, "Look, all time we are beating West Virginia by 21 games. Let's get it going on our home field. Let's hoist an ACC championship banner at our place. Let's let's like let's have it. Let's turn a celebration, I think, into a win. And I think because they had such a good year last year, that Pitt is probably thinking to themselves, I 'I don't care who we lose. I don't care if we don't have.'" Kenny Pickett, if we don't have Jordan Addison, I just think they think that, okay, it's not about who we don't have, just as many teams say, it's about who we do have. And if you're pit, you have to have some confidence after winning the ACC last year. Obviously, a pretty down year for the ACC. Clemson wasn't their best, their usual self, but there still is that thing, that factor of we just won a championship, although it's not a big championship, it's still a conference championship, something West Virginia has not done since joining the Big 12. They haven't even made it to the title game. So, Pitt's been in the title game multiple times. They have a championship on their name as recently as last year. And I think that gives them confidence going into this game.
1: I think some confidence will be there. And, and, you know, as far as Pitt fans go, I mean, yeah, you're winning the the all-time series, 61-40 to three. But I think Pitt dominated the Mountaineers in that, you know, 1930s to, you know, 60s stretch or something like that. WV 7-3 in the last 10 games. And I think over the last 20, 25 games, um, I think it's 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 in favor of the Mountaineers. So if you're a young adult Pitt fan, um, obviously watching Pitt beat WV in like 07 to 08, you saw that. But you've witnessed probably more WV wins. So I think they're ready to uh, you know kind of come back after this 10 or 11 year uh, streak of not playing WV and you know lift the banner for the ACC championship. I'm I'm sure they're going to be uh, ready to break this little three game losing streak against the Mountaineers um, because if you're a young adult um or an older Pitt fan I mean you remember the last three matchups um you know 2009 Pitt was ranked in the top 10 and WV won on a last second field goal 2010 WV came into Heinz Field and beat Pitt very convincingly in 2011 um WV beat Pitt by one point after coming back from two touchdowns and Aaron Donald was on that team so um they probably they haven't seen a Pitt win over WV in quite a few years so they're ready for it
0: yeah unfortunately I think uh the last two pit wins were in 07 08. I think mm-hmm. all Mountaineer fans know of 07. Um, know it pretty well, unfortunately. But yeah, I think I think this is a big game. I, I mean, obviously it's a big game, like duh, but it's it's means something more to both these programs than just a what a Kansas would mean or for pit what a Syracuse would mean. You no, know, like It means more because it is more and it will be more and it will continue to be more because of the history, because of the tradition. And I think it being on a standalone Thursday night when the uh, the biggest game of that day besides West Virginia Pitt is Penn State at Purdue. So it's going to be there. The audience will be there for it in person, on television. The media, the hype, everything will be around it for it. And I just hope both teams deliver.
1: I do too. I think there, I will predict some chippiness early, uh, maybe some scrums or whatever you want to call it. I mean, if you go back to the basketball season when WV played Pitt in the Coliseum, there was multiple scrums and, you know, those teams didn't have anything to do with each other. Those teams didn't play each other. Those guys weren't, you know, those guys didn't like hate each other. They didn't have a rivalry feud going back years. So it's just because it's WV Pitt that there is more on the line, a gold rush, that kind of atmosphere that, there turns out to be some chippiness in their first five, 10 minutes of the game. I predict the same thing for football and maybe even more because you're out there actually being physical as opposed to, you know, hoisting up shots.
0: Yeah, I would not be surprised with a tight whistle at all, especially early on. I think the referee, like referees know, they're they're humans, they know, they're going to be aware. And I just think it's more of a matter of them trying to keep the game in a safe place than trying to do anything else so I I would not be mad and I would not be surprised to see an early whistle but I think you're right I think that these two teams it's all about who can who can hit the other one in the mouth the hardest first like who can get that first punch landed settle in and get going and I think going back just if you want to look at recent games like this kind of has a 2018 feel and how West Virginia was playing Tennessee all the hype that built up and then damn, West Virginia goes out. I remember Kenny Bigelow breaking through that line and just big play, first play of the game. And then, like, that was a big-time performance in a game that I don't think many expected West Virginia to really show up, and the Mountaineers did show up. Obviously, not a neutral site. Obviously, this game is more on the line, but the way the hype is building, the way people are talking about it, even 100 days out, as we're talk- as we're saying, is similar
1: to me to that 2018 game against Tennessee? I agree that was a great game uh, to go to. I remember that big old play like it was yesterday, but I think it's going be it's going to be even more I mean I think I think what will be similar is I remember the crowd Tennessee, West Virginia being pretty split. I think there's more WV fans. Um, I think that crowd will be kind of similar maybe a little bit maybe a little bit more pit fans than we're at Tennessee and Charlotte that year but um, I think it's going to be more chippy. There wasn't much chippiness between the two teams between Tennessee and WV. In 18, um, I think a big point to think about is sometimes Neil Brown's teams take some undisciplined penalties. Usually it's false starts and procedure penalties, but I want to make sure this WV team, while they're excited, they're on the road, they're probably going to be wearing their road whites and all that. It's going to be exciting. I just want to make sure they're not getting hit and then hitting people and getting a 15-yard flag for it early in the game, because that could be pretty detrimental. Um, As far as Neil Brown's teams go, you can't take um, bad penalties like that especially not game one
0: you talk, you talk about bad penalties and I think kind of going back to that experience standpoint that's where West Virginia has and I think if you have a guy like JG Daniels who is cool calm collected as we said been there done that I think it's it starts with him and if he can kind of be cool collected like okay they hit me late all right let's get back up take the 15 yards and move the ball down the field and I think that kind of spreads throughout like if they're going to hit you and they're going to get flagged for it there's no need to hit them back like just say all right i'll beat you on the field there's no need to beat you after the whistle i think teams that kind of do things after the whistle it's cuz they in the back of their mind they think oh we can't beat you on the field so we might as well try and get you now and i think neil brown's going to have this team ready to go neil brown's going to have his older guys cuz if we're being honest, offensive line's old. Defensive line's pretty old. Quarterback's old. Couple wide receivers, pretty old. Like, you have experience. I'd say the youngest part of this team is probably the secondary. Um, So, you have experience, and I think that experience will keep guys calm, keep guys calm enough to not take the stupid penalties.
1: I agree on that offensive line. I just don't – yeah, I don't see JT Daniels taking a stupid penalty. The line you got experience uh, with Doug Nestor – um, my own play a lot last year, um, you know, Zach Frazier, all those guys, um, Gamitter, and all of them. I don't see them taking undisciplined penalties, but I want to make sure some of the younger guys, I just, I hope Neil gets them, just make sure that they don't take those dumb penalties because like a guy like um, maybe Mumu Benwahat, he's a freshman, probably 18, 19 years old. He'll be, he'll probably, probably be starting. You know, you get that five yards of contact between the, the defensive back and the receiver. And if there's some shoving there, Um, I just want to make sure that that those guys are are coached to just lay off, even though it's their first game. Maybe their first game in, you know, ACC Big 12 play.
0: Yeah, I I just think – I think you're right. I think that just being smart, learning from the vets, talking to them, learning from your coach. And I think Neil Brown will probably have a message of, if you want to make dumb penalties, you'll be with me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that will go a long way. Transitioning to one more thing – Obviously, these will probably change, but predictions. Hundred days away, um, kind of give me a couple things that you're gonna that you're excited to see, a couple things that you're gonna look for, and then a very, 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 very early score prediction.
1: I am looking for early establishment with the offense. Um, I think with the storyline of Swabus versus Daniels with Harrell and all that, you kind of expect these guys to be, you know running and gunning and, and, you know, throwing the ball downfield. I kind of tend to predict that one offense will struggle. Um, I don't know which one it is. It could be either one. Um, but with Harrell and Daniels, I kind of just see – I don't know. Part of me thinks that the offense will click, especially I've got a lot of confidence in that in that offensive line for WV. But um, I'd be interested to see if that does turn out. I think one offense will struggle early, maybe not struggle the whole game. But I think one quarterback ends up with, like, a touchdown and a pick, and hopefully that's not Daniels. Um, and you know, another story on just not taking dumb penalties. I got WV an early prediction. WV winning by thirteen.
0: So, what would your score be?
1: Um, we'll go thirty-three twenty.
0: All right, I'm putting that in the notes, Aaron. So that will be there until. We live on and so we do our final pit preview the week of the game. That's so.
1: locked in. That's locked in until September first.
0: Oh, that's your final you're not changing. All right. Okay. All right. Um, I will probably change my score, maybe not my pick. Uh we will see. But I think the one thing I'm gonna look forward to offensively is how West Virginia develops the play action pass. I know they've tried to do that in the past, but either not establishing the run enough or not having the time to do it, or there's been so many factors that have limited West Virginia in the play action game. And I think JT Daniels who has an absolute cannon and you have a running running back group who can run the ball and who can run the ball really well. And I think you have an experienced offensive line. And I think all those things and all those factors work together in trying to, use the play action pass to your advantage. So that's what I think offensively I'm looking for defensively. I want to see the secondary be challenged. I want to see the secondary go out and be physical might take a penalty here or there, but I want to see them go after the ball, kind of use that speed. Neil Brown said they recruited, they tried to get guys in who are fast to who, who, who can run sideline to sideline. I'm excited to see, hopefully that speed translates into the game. As far as predictions go, I'm going to go Mountaineers 27, Pitt 21. I'm going to go twenty-seven, twenty-one Mountaineers, with the victory. September 1st, backyard brawl, um, and that's all I've got.
1: Yeah, that's all for me. Um, 100 days away, I, I just I can't wait. Um, I think it's going to be super entertaining, and it's going to be really fun seeing everybody try to squeeze into Pittsburgh at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think – that tunnel might explode. They should probably, probably just cut off the uh, outbound traffic and just make everything inbound to pit um, if they're being smart, but that's not even logical. Anyways, that will do it. Uh, 100 days away, folks, from football season can't come soon enough. A couple other news storylines uh, West Virginia baseball is in the Big 12 tournament this week mountaineers are the number six seed finished with a program best 14 big 12 wins never got that many in program history Mountaineers should be a safe lock almost at this point for the ncaa tournament um as long as they don't have two terrible games in arlington it is at globe life park in arlington texas after being moved from oklahoma city so the mountaineers will look to do something they've never done and that is win the big 12 tournament um So that is it for today, guys. Uh, Once again, 100 days till September 1st. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. This is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast.